the Sounding Board podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Episode 40, Series 6 of the sounding board for Drinkwise. So many topics we need to address today. But it would be remiss for us on this particular program to not start with the passing of the great, iconic media performer, Bert Newton, today. Craig Hutchison, I know you had a little bit to do with him in a, uh, in a former life at a former TV station. Uh, hello to you on this particular Wednesday of this week. Hello, Damo, and yeah, like the entire community, as we've seen, uh, send our thoughts and condolences and sorrow to his family, his wonderful family, and hasn't it been sad, yet at the same time, uh, wonderfully reflective to re- revisit some of those moments. I, I watched the special on Nine on Sunday How night, and it was just <laughs> remarkable to see, and uh, well done to the Nine Network, because clearly they had uh, the respect of actually having a lot of that In gathered, gathered yep. for yep. as you do for the legends. Yep for whenever it may have been used in 10 or 15 years from now, and they'd put that together as a... That might have been something they are going to do anyway in, in, so he could see it while he was alive. That's a, one shame, I guess, hmm. is that he didn't get to sit at home and watch that while he was still with us. And uh, I wonder whether that was in their thinking at some stage. But it was really well done. I thought the four people that spoke uh, were... In, uh, Tracy and Eddie and others were fantastic in the way that they, they handled it. And I thought Hamish was a nice touch too with the, the new generation of comic. Very sad and... You're right. I think Scott Morrison, I, I hate to say this, Damo, because you don't like to give any reference to the Prime Minister, but I thought he captured it pretty well on this one where he said that, that were the days when you would all gather around us together and watch something and when things were appointment viewing. And yeah. that, that's not going to happen anymore, is it? No, In- it's not. You, look, I don't know what your family was like, Hachi, but we, when you say appointment viewing, it was just the Don Lane show with, with Bird it was always on. It was just on every single night. Um, and then I, again, I was in Brisbane there for that 1996, 7, 8 period. And, and the reason I raised that is that was when he was going through the Good Morning Australia phase. And it was uncool then to sort of revere him. In that, you know the way the, the way celebrities go through a phase where they're not cool? And he was at that stage then. But then he, he rebuilt himself, didn't he? Yeah, he did. in, in that In that show. It was an amazing show. And I used to watch that because in those days I didn't probably roll into the office till you know ten or eleven and the show whatever time it started it was such easy watching on a more it was genuinely funny he went off script in a show that was meant to be scripted and even the advertorials he was he was is that his best thing because because it was kind of complete free for all then it was his I guess uh, reintroduction to television after a period where he didn't do it for for various reasons which quite some time on on, yeah. on the special and I think he was instantly a legend at Channel Ten and I started my. TV journey in 1997, was it 97 or 96, somewhere around there, mm. it might have been 96 at Channel 10, and so I was the kid in the sports newsroom in one floor where he was the king of the floor. And he'd come the- in every day to do that show, would he? That, no. Or was some days he'd just, he'd do all shows in one day maybe? That, You've heard me it? tell this story before. Well, the well, there's I, many I love ago, this story. It? I love this story. I don't know, like a lot of your stories, Hutchie, how true it is. I know there would be a semblance of truth. You're a good mayonnaise pourer onto stories. I love this particular story with you and Bert Newton, and I'd, I'd like for those who haven't heard it on our show for you to tell it again. So if it was 96 or 97, it was one of the two. I was a 21 or 2-year-old, very green kid who was the, the given the job of chief footy reporter, to use the Tom Brown language. <laughs> Never actually had that in my intro, I don't think, from memory. I was the footy guy. And I was literally living the job like, I guess, like Tom is now and like Mitch is now, and to the point where I would basically live at my desk at Channel 10 in Chapel Street. And it wasn't a very big floor. It was like a, almost like a commercial office rather than a television network. Near the Como. We're in the Como. In, in the Como. Yep. And 
I would have under my desk heaps of clothes and ties, and I would literally just live there. I'd get there in the morning, and leave late at night, and I it was like you'd be going straight from nightclubs into the building. And it was a bad look, but I didn't. I was too young to realise how how bad I was on the optics. And I was just living out of the because I just loved the opportunity. You know, I went as far as the Imperial for a beer. 200 metres down the road, yeah. or Pinocchio's for a pizza the other way, 200 metres the other way. And, and Chapelli's on the way yeah, home Chipe- sometimes. Yeah, Chapelli's. Yes. I basically lived there. Yeah. And Bert was the legend of the building. And unbeknownst to me, Bert would do shows out of sequence all the time. Right. And I've told this story before on, on the sounding board, but they would sometimes do four episodes a day, or they would do, or there'd be a rock band in town and they'd interview them on a Tuesday for Thursday's episode or next Thursday week there's a stray day yeah. so we're going to do so-and-so today. So, so, so we'd be often throwing to segments that weren't live, but, would, but, but acting as though they're about to go yeah, straight I to would, this music act. Yeah. I would doubt if one episode was ever filmed in a sequence yeah. ever yeah. On, in the in the 3,000 episodes or whatever that they did because they would just draw upon availability and commercial. And, and the only way they knew what day was what episode yeah. was Bert's tie. <laughs> so that's how they that's how they ranked when something would go to air. So yeah. Monday he would wear a red tie, Tuesday a yellow or whatever it may be, uh, yeah. Wednesday green, etc. Yeah. And that would be the Burt sequence of the week. And makeup and wardrobe would run that sequence of yeah. ties. And so they go, oh, we're recording an interview with the CEO of the Australia Day Council. Okay, what day is it air? It airs next Thursday, right, better get the green tie. And that's how they piece it together on – and that's how the editors would piece it together. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know that the tie was a big thing in his world. It was actually the whole show was built up in his ties. Yeah. And one day there was a story-breaking demo and I didn't have a tie. I looked underneath my desk and among all the clothes there was no tie. I had to do a piece of camera. It was very important in those days, <laughs> piece of camera. So I ran, ran around to wardrobe and there hanging on the, the, the coat hanger outside wardrobe was a couple of ties. Yep. Bert's ties. <laughs> you weren't to know they were Bert's ties? I wasn't to know. And I, even if you did know, you would have taken them anyway, Hutchie. I, well, I took one. Not, yep. not knowing the tie was a thing, I took one, put it on, went and did my piece of camera. Yep. And then, like you can sometimes errantly do, failed to return the tie. Well, and- I've seen you fail to return suits and shoes, Hutch. You just walk out of studios and you know, there's suits and shoes never seen again. So, I- that, yeah, I can say how I, this would happen. I was you. younger and greener, and I don't, uh, I'm embarrassed looking back. I was 25 what, odd years ago <laughs> and didn't think any more of it. Unbeknownst to me, it caused a storm in the building because they couldn't finish the sequencing of that episode. <laughs> they got the CCT cameras, they ran a week long investigation, they were trawling through vision to see where the tie had gone. And then they eventually found – I can't remember they found me taking the tie off the rack or I wore it again on another day <laughs> into the building just unbeknownst and they went, hang on a minute. That's the tie. But it was a big – I got in a lot of trouble over it. it was a big he deal. wouldn't have cared though, would he? I can't imagine. I don't think I ever had a chat to him about it, but it was the talk – He office. would have seen the humour in that, I would have thought, has he? Our great friend Tim Cleary, who is was the sports producer at the time, it's still a thing with him 25 <laughs> years on about how much trouble I got he and I into over the tie. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he was a he was a legend of, of his he time. He had um, again. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try and make out as though I knew him. Hutchie's only met him a few times, but every time he, he he lived up to full expectation, didn't he? As the person you'd, you'd think he was going to be, he was. He gave you had more time for people. I would have thought than anyone anyone else he, in that particular position. Yeah, even in the even in the recent years at, at nine in two thousand seven eight nine, when he, he'd often do a sketch around Gary Lyon on yeah. the footy show, or he'd be around the building in some way, and he'd stop and talk to everyone. everyone. He yeah. knew all of the 
floor manager's names and the cameraman name of young people he took a really And when he in. came into the building, you just there was this yeah. aura, wasn't no, there? Was... I mean, it, it doesn't happen with too many people. And they and, and you knew he was in there even before you saw him. If that, you know, there's a there's a buzz. You know, Bertin, Bertin. The, the old GTV Nine had the greatest star factory yeah. legacy. It was just an aura around that place. It was like Disneyland for television. And when he walked in, you felt like you're around Walt Disney. Yeah. Didn't and, you? and he made everyone he, sp- he made spoke everyone to feel. as though feel as though they were as important as him. And he'd think about the idea. He knew how to send himself up. Yeah, he'd, he'd think it through. What, the most fascinating thing I read, I was I read it in the. There's probably a deeper story in this at some stage. Did you read that he took he drove Kevin Murray to the Brownlow to collect his first Brownlow? No, I didn't see that one. No, it was in the twelve things you didn't know about Bert in the oh, Hill yeah. of Sun, and, and like number nine or whatever it may be. When Kevin Murray won his first Brownlow, it was Bert that picked him up. Yep. He was a great Fitzroy supporter. Yeah, he was. He was, was. He was wounded by the, yeah. by the merger. And, and he was vocal time. about that. I mean, I, you probably did it at the same time, but he, you'd ring the landline as we did back in, in that period of time and, and he'd answer it or he'd ring you straight back and give you a quote about that story. But he, he just he didn't like that issue because he was so passionate about it. He was. And he was – so he loved his footy, he loved his races – uh, he was an incredibly um, generous performer to everybody else. And I think a lot of what you saw in the footy show and, you know, I, I know like Sam Newman, we're quite influenced by and He looked up to him so much too, Sam, didn't he? He was always mm. talking about Bert and Studio Nine and yeah, so very, very sad. And uh, what, a, what, a, what a life he lived and what a career he had. Yep. Hutchie, there's always a, while we're on the show business theme, there's a, there's a saying in show business, you should never take holidays. It's, yes. It's dangerous, isn't it? Yes. Well, particularly for a journalist. <laughs> because we well, never on holidays as a journalist, as a rule. Well, you can't plan. You can take time away from the studio. You can't plan for a holiday as a journalist because you can't. You cannot know when something will happen, hmm. as you've seen before. That's why you won't ever go overseas to the Super Bowl or anything like that because you're paranoid that something happened on Christmas well, Day. Well, it, it did happen one year, Hutchie, as yeah. you well know, and I'm glad I wasn't there and uh, I was able to cover something. So yeah, um, I, that, I, I I do get fret when I go overseas. Being a footy journalist, I feel, yeah. is a bit like being the wicketkeeper in the Australian cricket team. You think you can take the kind of the lowly T20s off against <laughs> Bangladesh or Sri Lanka or uh, whoever it may be, but inevitably, once, once, the, gloves, comes in. once the gloves go in someone else's hand. Gil Chris comes in. <laughs> yeah. Making 80 against or 40 balls against a minnow nation in a cricket sense, uh, all of a sudden looks a bit better. So I've been stung a few times over the journey. Poor old Tom Brown. He was off when Jordan Ngoi broke, and and the Masai, who's just swept into oh. seven as the as the two I see demo, just had one fall in his lap, didn't he? Well, I don't know. He fell in his lap. He broke the story. Did he actually break it, or did? Well, I see. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I thought the the New York papers broke it. Oh, did they? I I, my, I, didn't, know, I didn't actually get back to the origins of it. Yeah, so. I didn't. I didn't go looking. I didn't put any research into this demo, but <laughs> I, I, my understanding was it bobbed up but, in, in the New York papers overnight. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The, the dynamic of that breaking at the Dream Hotel, where you've often stayed, we've stayed at the Dream Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Our client of ours for many years. Been on that rooftop many a yeah. time. Yeah, good, good people, and it's a great spot there, right next door to Tower in the yeah. West Village. <laughs> That's right. And uh, yeah, so how weird that it was there. Well, tell me. We'll get to the go in a sec. There's a lot to deal with on that front. Um, do you? What do you do when you're a journalist and a story breaks on holidays? Do you, do you charge in? Well, you're never off. I don't think you're ever off. So, but I think you have to show respect and, and due respect for whoever seems to have control of the story yeah, so at that he, point in time. He had no no room to move, Tom, because once Mitch had put his name to it, it was all over. It's like, yeah, you're all right, mate. Stay there. We've got, got it on the, on the hand. But it's but he's not. He can't help himself. He's, he had to get involved somehow. Didn't he? Like he was putting it. 
sort of yeah, I'm reflective not, comments. Serious, and serious about his brand. That's all right on Twitter. Retweeting photos of hair, helicopters and yep. So in, in a situation that it all worked out the way it could for those guys, I'm sure there'll be a lot of footy journalists around town who'd be going, "Oh, why am I on leave and how have I missed the opportunity to cover this?" I remember. Well, couple- I don't. I don't like those stories, Hutchie. As a rule, I mean, and then and again, we may, we have to talk about the serious nature of it now too. Um, we were talking about it from the, the showbiz sense and it's taking holidays. It's a big holidays, footy story, though, Damon. It's a big footy story. A yep. very big footy story. Yeah, it's a very big life story. Another big life story for for the person in question, Jordan Degoe, who's again got himself into something that needs to play itself out through the court system. He, he's pleaded not guilty um, and, and will appear for those who haven't got the uh, the nuances of the case on December 8 in New York where he has to be in person. And at this stage, Hutchie, while there's nothing official on this, it looks it looks as though he will stay in the States until that point. So let's, let's run through a few things. First up, the Monster Energy LA kind of, which we actually had a casual conversation about you and I only a couple of weeks ago. So... Looking back ret- retrospectively on that, the role of the media in that piece. So he goes to LA, which was at the time a little bit out of step with. Well, we hadn't come out of lockdown yeah. even, had we? As a as a city, as, yeah, as, as mean, a Melbourne, yeah. nothing wrong with him going though. Because no, they, they, they weren't locked. Yep. But because of the Monster Energy uh, promotion, mm. disproportionate images and vision came back. There's <laughs> yeah. the yeah. shots of him training, and he's available, right? So if you're the journalist, you take the access. Of course, you do. But there was this straight away this mythical. He never he's never looked better. Got yeah. himself in peak fitness. Oh yeah, for the fifth time in his life. Yeah, because we've really seen a little bit of B roll come through from LA on uh, ostensibly a promo for Monster mm. Energy, which was all about you know yep. up and up. It's an upbeat brand, right? And then straight away that becomes the narrative. So as as media, did we just fall in too easily because it's off season? Did we were we too readily to accept that? Oh, no, his I attitude think- was good. Were we believing what he was saying? Well, I don't believe what he's saying. I, I think I said it at the time. It's, it's the fifth time he's come back in career best shape, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, how many times have you seen him run at Gosh's Paddock and, and the Collingwood Oval even in summer with his mate Benny Crocker there a couple of years ago when he was meant to be doing his best? He rolled up big last year. I mean, he, I, I don't believe much that he says. And again, it's got nothing to do with the case now against him in New York. But I, I, I wasn't buying what he was saying about uh, rolling up to be the best he could be. Yeah, so he's he's put himself in a... In a spot by talk, like he's been happy to talk himself up for commercial reasons and create an expectation around himself. Then you go to New York, and without dealing with the serious allegations for a moment, and just stepping back for a second because we're highly respectful of those. Do you think he was entitled to go to a Halloween party? Oh, of course he was. Dressed up? Of course or he was. Or do you think that's a bad look? No, if, if he's over there and he's in his own time, of course he can do what he wants. But yep. what about his mate sharing pictures on social? Well, and that's and... you've got to question that at the very outset as to as to what state they were in in those um, in those videos too, and that's that's another issue of this Hutchie. And then obviously what happened a couple of hours after those videos were. Distributed on on social media is, is now the, the the issue that that has put his contract football wise into into a lot of jeopardy a lot of jeopardy. I mean, he's been stood down by his footy club, and that was the right decision in my eyes for that to be done. And there's no end game to that. Um, it's clearly going to be in place until at least December eight, and and even even if that that date ends up favourable to him in terms of what he has to deal with in the court system, I don't think there's any guarantee that he walks yeah. back in. In his own time frame, in, in well, the Collingwood. I mean, he was on such, he had such little credits in the bank, really. I think the last thing, I accept your point on Halloween, and far bit for us, we've been out and celebrated Halloween ourselves over the journey, but he shouldn't be putting himself in those positions. Why? He just, he shouldn't. That's what, I just don't think he should, I think if he's going to, 
I'm not, I'm not condoning the, the behaviour in the video, but if there's no okay to go to a party. You can go out all night if you want, Hutchie, yeah. and drink waters and have two beers. I mean, there's no issue at all. Yeah, but if, he's, if he is serious about the last year of his contract and no. the new look and all that, like you could I don't even subscribe go to Go for that. a couple of hours and you're, have, you're have allowed a, to have a life, Hutchie. He's a 20, you know. Yeah, but he, he should have said to his friend, we're going to midnight and you're not putting anything on social. I agree with that. Or, we're if we're going to three, we're having waters after one, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, it's just. It's not. I don't. I don't. No, I'm not one to subscribe to. You can't go out at all, particularly you, when you're in New York. Do you think that he should be sacked? Um, it's a question that has to be asked. Yeah, yeah. I, I again, it, it's hard to talk about right now because the reason we're talking about it is because of what's happened in the New York court system, Hutchie, and the New York charges, yep. and, and and it's always difficult to talk because already even since the initial story broke, a, a charge has been withdrawn, taken away. Yep. Yeah, so. Already the story's changed in, in, in terms of the logistics of, of what's now in front of him. But um, in terms of the behaviour, which is, I feel, a trend in some form of, of, of not – I want to say behaviour, again, let's be careful what we say here. But there is a trend that suggests he doesn't do everything possible yep. to make the make I, himself the best athlete he can be. See, I, I think they'll be looking for a way out. Like that, a, their preferred position, I would think, would be a cut and run. To, to, not, to have him not play at all? Regardless of what happens. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's achievable in the... It'd make a statement, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, whether the charges are sustained or withdrawn. And look, look there's, yep. a, there's a process to run and let's... You know, there's some legals on the back of that and the Players Association will have a view and all those things. But yeah, if, if if there's no barrier from here, yeah. I think Collingwood will be wanting to cut and run. They've got... Would they choose to pay him? Well, yeah. To, to I mean, make, you, you make the powerful statement prob- to not play him, but probably, pay him. Probably. Yeah. Or a version of. Or yeah, a, or a version of, yeah. 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 They've got... Um, they're in a, a massive brand reset, yep. which has been pretty good to date. Mm, like, it has. The way they've been able to yep. renovate their club's perception yep. on the back of, a, of an ugly era has been – early signs are really promising yep, on that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And the people they're bringing in are of character, and the people that mm. who remain there have, have acted of good character. Yep. They've got a salary cap problem, which is a part of this too. Mm. It's not yet entirely over, but you, you can't imagine his type of money versus the risk on him is – even remotely matches each other anymore. Yep. Like you're not you're not taking nine hundred thousand dollar risks on this sort of behaviour, you know, regardless of what happens from here. And you've got another big name player at a contract at the same time, that being Darcy Moore. Yeah, I, I would think that they're out. Mm. Yeah. And and that way you can you can do everything you need to do as a club. You can also present the situation to the public in a way that still makes him yeah. appealing for some club that may want to give him a, a second footy chance yeah. if, if indeed that's the path that goes down. I mean, whether he's found guilty or not guilty, and of any or all of the charges, he acted with. It's it's beyond dispute on any even the most lenient person's view of this, that he acted with horrible um, intent and res- and respect of other human beings. Yeah, yeah. And so on that basis, and the way that they have mm. rightfully repositioned their future, he doesn't pass the sniff test of being a calling person anymore. Yeah, the 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 nature of the AFL, and we're probably getting too bogged down in this conversation, actually, is, is to keep. The asset, so to speak. And right now, he's the asset on their books. If it was an NFL club, and even as we speak, there's been a wide receiver um, in the past 24 hours for the um, Las Vegas Raiders who has got himself into a horrible situation off field too. They just, they just cut him. And that, that happens, I won't say weekly in the NFL, but they don't think twice about such matters. So I think if it was in the NFL system, that decision might have already been made, potentially. Yeah, potentially. I think a lot of very fair and reasonable questions have been raised by Jess Heller and others around the no-fault stand-down and around the – like there, there was there was a pretty testing period for the AFL to think their way through and get through. I know this charge, albeit one that's been now partially withdrawn, 
wouldn't have reached that threshold anyway. But they're all reasonable questions. Like, it was uncomfortable to watch him play last time around. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, we had this conversation, Archie, and, and we say it was uncomfortable, and yes, it was. But ultimately, those charges were also um, taken away in the end, and, and in the end, he was paid costs for that situation. I, so I, I respect- how would it have been for him to have not played for the period I, in time? And I, I understand that. I, I just think that the, the, the volume of uh, – the attention he's drawn upon himself, regardless of your view yep. of how good, bad, of how significant others – has been yep. means it they would want to cut cut and run. Yep. Talking about um, asset, as I just did a moment ago. I'm Hutch, not sure he's an asset anymore. Well, I'm talking about the, on the books. He's yep. an asset on the books. Um, as as a as a prime minister, is is your word and your ability to have people trust you <clears throat> your greatest asset? Well, I reckon. There's, I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Can can we just talk about the three parties here for a sec? This would be the naive view of mine, right? There's three parties, right? Scott Morrison. Morrison. Australian Biden, Prime Minister. And the French Prime Minister. Yeah. I wasn't going to go with Biden, but we're just going to go with Emmanuel Macron. Yep. The, the uh, yep. French president. So it's plausible that all of these things happen, right? The French were too slow and late on the submarine. Yeah? Oh, okay. Yep. Scott Morrison had dinner and shirked saying that to him exactly. Made noises that they were... Unhappy and reviewing things. I don't think he did that, but, but for, the, for your narrative, Hutchie, I'll say that could yeah, have happened. No, yeah. but I reckon he took a short step on saying, hey, this, this is heading Well, he lied to him, according to just, Macron. Just, just let me run. I reckon there's a version of the truth in the middle of all of the table here. Scott was, in his mind, more emphatic than he was. He clearly wasn't. Um, no doubt that Biden's people, Biden's people knew Biden's people either told him and he forgot, which speaks to the con- cognitive argument, yeah, or he chose to ignore it because it suited his agenda with France, given the, how much more they've got going. They've got bigger fish to fry than this. Where are you going with this, Archie? I, I think everyone's telling a version of the truth for political reasons, right? I don't think Scott- There's a contract in place, Archie. There's yeah, a I, contract in place. As I've said many times, Jack Nicholson said to Helen Hunt- in that movie, as good as it gets. I've never told you a lie. I've always told you a version of the truth. I, I think Scott <laughs> told Emmanuel a version of the truth that wasn't emphatic. Uh, he then positioned it for political reasons that they were offended. And Biden has either forgotten or has chosen to throw Australia under the bus because he knows he can. We're very busworthy on these. We're going to dust ourselves off and forgive America for okay. us a drive-by. All right. Okay. Let's all factor that in, Hachi. But then, yeah, then you've got the other layer of it. So the moment it then got public and the French – think think about this. The French president has called the Australian prime minister a liar on yep. camera, looked down the barrel of a camera and said, I, I don't think he lied. I know he lied. Yep. Now, Being a politician, though. That's a pretty big issue, Hachi. <laughs> being a politician, what's the best way to hurt another politician if you want to hurt them? To attack credibility. Credibility and to enable the opposition, right? So that – he knows Australia are going into a federal election in the next 12 months. He knows that that grab he gave on the doorstop, which we'll come back to the doorstop, by the way, he knows that grab will be used by the Labor Party in their TV ads. Yeah. Well, it, I don't even think he knows that. I don't think he's no. – I, I just well, one, think he's actually really hurt by one, being lied to in 100% his eyes. 100% he was giving the, the Australian opposition, in this case Labor, a gift. 100% it was in his thinking. I don't think he's got oh, that I got, no, I got no doubt. I just think he's aggrieved at being lied to. He go, He would have said, 
Yeah, well, the federal election coming up. You wait till I see till I feed doubt about his trust into the Australian marketplace oh. and see what the opposition do with that. Okay, so again, let me just finish my parts of my offerings here. So you've then got that. So then it goes ugly, and then then he's tried to spin it as he does because that's all he does is he can't have anything of substance. Um, I am not going to cop sledging of Australia. Yeah, it wasn't sledging of Australia; it was sledging of him. And then and then here's the other layer, Hachi, and this is the bit that I think is almost the biggest part of this story. He wasn't able to win that battle, wasn't able to win the I'm not going to cop sledging of Australia battle. So then immediately and miraculously, the official private exchange on text message between Macron and Morrison finds its way into the media domain in a way that's presented favourably to Morrison. Yeah, and got a favourable news limited hit. Oh, well, that's that's a given. No, they, they've, they've covered it favourably. Oh, funny. Got, no doubt. And that, oh, well, funny, that, that's where it ended up. And Fairfax up. have been hard the other way. Like if oh. That's the other thing you're trying to unpick. You're unpicking favourable and unfavourable coverage and trying to find the middle ground. Lekin, but, but where's your word? Where's your trust? If, Lekin, you're, if you're giving up private... Yep. Not, I, not just emails, but, but text messages. Again, save us emails. We don't know what we're talking about. I would have thought the leaking of the text was unnecessarily risky. I read the argument today that he said or that his people uh, were name uh, unnamed sources were saying they're going to fight fire with fire because he'd, he'd broken trust by going public on his end, Emmanuel. But it looks like to be duplicitous to leak the text messages. Oh. Um, this, I was thinking about the spin. Like, What, what are the odds that's come from the, his camp? Actually? The attack on Australia. Hmm. It wasn't on Australia. It was on him as a person. Looked looked ridiculous, right? If he had thought it through better, it was sellable, I reckon. I, I do think he could have – he needed to actually um, roll up some of the, like, the leaked text. And if, he, if he'd come out and said, look, I know Emmanuel's comments yesterday and I want to address them today. He doesn't do that, though. He's right. I'm going to speak for the final time and I'm going to correct and outline the sequence of events. Yeah. This what happened on this day. This is what happened on this day. On the 15th, he sent me this text. If he put his own name to the text, I, I would have no problem with it. Yep. And Once I'm, you've been caught a liar publicly, yep. I think you're allowed to defend yourself. But, I, but he hasn't done it in a way that makes me think he's not. And I'm and I'm taking this, um, given all of those things, as an attack on all of us in Australia. Like he could have actually bundled us in if he'd given more detail and he had enough evidence. But it was too. What are we going to do next? Oh, we better leak that text. And oh, how are we going to respond here? And give me a day to think about it. And it didn't have. It wasn't as emphatic response. Mm. And if the American prime American president ever said this is an attack on America, the American public would have gone along with it. Well, they wouldn't. They, they, they res- be side of the they respect that on. office and well, we don't really respect ours. But yeah, the truth, I think, is somewhere in the middle in all of that. Yeah, well, yeah. And and another um, part of this story is then you've then got Rudd and Turnbull, the, the greatest prime ministers of all time, just ask them now, years after they've had yeah. a crack at the job, weren't able to succeed in the job and now... Have opinions, Hutchie. Yeah. If Turnbull acted with the the conviction with which he's now acting right now, in fact, his response to what Morrison did, if he acted in that way, in that in that free fall way, where he's not bound by yeah. um, party room factions yeah, and his own man. if he was, if he actually was able yeah. to be the person he has been attacking Morrison, he'd still be in the chair himself, right? Yeah. Now. If he had, if he had, he's had fangs post Prime Minister. Ship, oh, but didn't have any during none, um, and he's been he's been he's become the Neil Harvey of the Australian cricket team. <laughs> Malcolm Turnbull in politics, hasn't he? Hey, just on the doorstop, by the way. Yep, I'd love to give credit to the journalist who did it. And it's, my name name escapes me. Yeah, I, I didn't know the name. It was a Sydney Morning Herald journalist who got the, the I believe. Yep. Um, the, Hat, the best quote. Hats off. Yep. It was a sensational doorstop. 
got the absolute grab and quote in question, that that quote will will be remembered in ten years' time from now. I don't, I don't think, think, comma, I know. I know. Yeah. As, as in, that'll, do you think he lied to yeah, you? I, I don't think, I know. That'll be a, a Labor slogan somewhere in the next federal election, as I mentioned before. It was one of the great doorstops. And doorstops, we've talked about a lot for journalists over the years. They're punishing. They're unrewarding. Yeah. You probably spend conservatively 10 hours per one decent outcome. Yeah. And then and then Lots another fa- 10 hours waiting for yeah. that moment of doorstop. Lots of failed yeah. days. But you can imagine the editor in Sydney – so let's say it was the City Morning Herald. I hope it was, and we'll give them credit if, if it is. Would have been saying, you need to get the Prime Minister of somehow of France. I don't care if, you, if he's walking, wherever he goes, you need to understand. That was just really old school, turn up, front up, show yeah. up journalism. So many times in, here we are with our war stories again, so many times people still sit at their desk now and don't turn up and do the doorstep. It's the worst part of the job, and there's often no reward for a long time. I loved it. I know it's a bit easy when you're covering on the road, but... Great journalism. Yep. Archie, what's happened to the once iconic Flemington Racing Carnival? And then I'm not referring from it to a COVID perspective here either. I am referring to the the fact that on Saturday, the greatest days racing in Australia historically, and still probably still is, was, was superseded by the racing in Sydney of the Golden Eagle meet, which is a made-up race worth $7.5 million and has taken – pretty much all attention and is now driving turnover on all forms of punting on this particular day to the detriment of the, and as you know, my views on the Victorian Racing Authority's failure to have any form of initiative, Hutchie. So you're referring to the fact the ratings were better on 7 than 10 on Saturdays? They saying? were. Yep. They were. Okay. I find it really- For the third year in a row. Just to put this out on the table, I find it really hard to have a, a racing conversation with you. Like it, it it's almost needs to be a no-fly area of our- Friendship. Now you'd have fought it hard because you take money from the Victorian racing See, industry. So I'll, I'll let, let's get that on the table too. And and you defend them because of that. So you, you run a racing arm of your network. See, you, you say that and it's not actually entirely true. We are in the racing business and we work with everyone everywhere. Yeah, and you, you take money from the Victorian racing arm of thoroughbreds. It's not actually true. But you can if it suits your narrative, you can go. I, I don't like talking about racing with you. I find you, you lack knowledge. You really don't understand what you're talking about. I think I do, Archie. You, I think I do. The, the, the man by the name of Peter Volandis has totally changed racing forever. Well, and that's, that's where I'm coming well, up that, from. That's true. That might yeah. be one of the first. Th- th- don't say I lack knowledge because that, that, that's, that, that's you really defensive you, right you now. You come from a position of of reasonable ignorance on racing as, a, as an industry. You're blowing it out for – you go to the, as, in, as in I don't take money from it, from an advertising perspective. No, on all the bookmakers and all the participants. You, you've got to, I, I would argue I know a lot more than you about it on certain aspects. Well, you know, I, I, I would dispute that significantly. I work yeah. in it 365 days a year. You blow in on Derby Day with your, with your mate Adam Hamilton and have a couple of beers and think you've – I don't even do that. A, I don't view. even do that. Seven versus ten. I'll give you my view on this, right? Seven are in racing all year round. They've got ostensibly a 52-week Saturday product now. Yep. Channel 10 are in racing for one week a year. Yep. If you are in racing all year round, you've got, A, a chance to shape behaviours better than those that come for one week a year. You do. You'd be more known. Hachi, it's Derby Day. It's Derby Day, the greatest day of racing be, ever. Be more known. And people it. have chosen to watch the Channel 7 coverage where there was no... There was no Melbourne races on. Be, be you more known for it, right? Yep. See, you're probably a bit better at it because you do it more often. 
Channel 10 product's great, but they're still... So, so you'd rather watch watch a broadcast because they're better at it than watch the races itself. And, and, and this is my point. The Victorian racing industry has lost its way. Everyone watches racing on their app on their phone who is a racing fan. So you're really only getting a non-racing fan at that time. You're, you're, you're not behave- watching. If you're at home, Hunchy, you, which, which most Victorians were this year, you're not watching on your phone. I'm I would, sorry. I would argue behaviours are set on mobile. Not for, not to watch a race. If you've got a big 80-centimetre TV, why are you watching on your phone, Hutchie, well, when you can't beat the that, track? That's you as a once-a-year blow-inner. Oh, so you, you, you've got a couple of big TVs and you watch on your phone, do you? I'd say a lot of people... I, I watch races on the phone. Are, are watching, but not, not if I'm in front of a TV. A lot of people are watching where they're trading. So Channel 10, in, in defence of them, I don't feel like they get... I've got four days a year and two of them, only two of them It's not weekends. about Channel 10, Hutchie. This is about the Victorian racing industry, and, and there's so many bodies within that. I don't think arm. Pe- I don't think people sat at home on Saturday and went, "Am I going to watch Melbourne racing or on Sydney race?" They went, oh, "I'll put the races on seven because they do the racing." But they did do that. Yeah, but they would, a lot of people watching seven would have had their phone on their tab app or their sports bet app watching uh, Melbourne racing. At the yeah, okay, time. okay, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. So, if you are either in, if you are racing New South Wales racing Victoria, why do you care where people watch? You don't care where they watch at all. You could care less what they watch on their phone or on racing.com or on Sky or they listen to us. You, you couldn't care less where they Of course they you could care less, Hutchie, because you're investing a lot of your own money into the resource of the product yes. and the presentation. So the and, only- and, if, and if you've got the greatest racing day historically in this country for 100 years and for three years in a row, on the back of Peter Volandi's introducing not even his biggest initiative, by the way, but about his second or third initiative called the Golden Eagle, yep. if, that, if that is trumping the Derby Day meeting – yeah, but did it? That's tr- all that needs to be said. And it looked like a good turnover. I haven't seen the turnover numbers, but Racing New South Wales are are among the best, if not the best, marketers of their product in the country. They're very, very. They're, good. they're not among the best. They, they are the best by very yeah, elegant margin in the Melbourne Cup. Hutchie. They're, they're very good at. It. If you flipped those two broadcasts on Saturday, if you put the ten product on seven and the seven product on ten, I would say the ratings don't change too much. I would say seven still win on Saturday, whether they're doing Melbourne or Sydney. I'm just trying to work what you're, what you're saying there. If, if Seven had... If Seven had done 10's coverage on Seven of Flemington on Saturday... And, I'll tell, and no, was, I will say, if, if Seven was doing the Flemington Carnival, Seven would have won by by 50 ratings points. Prosecution rest, Your Honour. I would say they've done a better job over a longer period of time of setting behaviours, and defensive 10, they only get one crack at it. We're arguing different things here, Hutchie. Can we get back to Victorian racing and, and its lack of initiative? There's not one thing it has done to, to negate this... This avalanche of Peter Volandi's driven Sydney buoyant carnivals. See, I just find that a cynical view. I thought I thought the Cup Day was magnificent yesterday. It was magnificent, actually, on the back of a great race. And and Derby Day was magnificent. The course was beautifully presented. They ran <laughs> they ran roulette on the horses, and that's you know another story for another day. But they got a great product. They got a great winner. Ran roulette on the horses in terms of what? And what are you got, saying there? And they got fans back, which a month ago we would have hugged each other, thinking was possible. So hats off to them. And I think New South Wales are doing a great job of building their share of the day. Just a far better job of building, of eroding um, Caulfield Cup Day or Caulfield Guineas Day and now, and now, clearly, Derby Day. I don't know why I get so angry about racing. Well, you've got this... I just think... You've what, got a blind spot for what, it. What is the one initiative Victorian racing's done? In, in, I'll, give you the, I'll give you 30 years. I'll give you 30 years. Well, I think they put on a product 365 days a year, don't they? That's not a bad effort. <laughs> is that an initiative? And I think, and I think it's good for racing fans that all the codes are coming together for the seven product. I think well done the seven been out of the one out. initiative they did was the All Star Mile, which which was a poor it's, person's it's, version of 
the Everest. It's young. It's a work in progress. It's a poor person's version of the Everest. It hasn't got as much money behind it. But that, you know, that, they ran for seven and a half million dollars, Archie, in right a fifteen hundred meter race right, on the weekend in Sydney. That's the end of my racing run with you. Yeah, you run your race. Tim Smith, what did you think? Um, I have watched a bit of it because I wanted to, before we spoke about it, given given yeah. we don't know anything about politics, even though we spent fifteen minutes talking about Scott Morrison before. Um, for a bloke who has called on a minimum of a dozen times for other people to resign yep. over certain activities, yep. and some of them haven't even been that uh, that bad, yep. I can't believe he's still standing and had an hour and two-minute press conference today yep. just making a, a, arguably as big a fool of himself as he did on the weekend when he was caught, not caught, where he crashed his car over the uh, over the alcohol limit. Yep. Do as I say, not as I do, was his, it was his uh, whole mantra. Did you see um, Mark Stevens? By the way, our mate, sw- how fast did he swing teams on politics? What's he done now? <laughs> you did send this through. Where is it? Oh, he's praising Dan. Now Tim's got to go. Here it is. He's a political journalist these days, Tim. Admire Tim Smith's fighting qualities, energy, passion, etc. Have been have seen firsthand, but backing Matthew Guy here has to go. Yep. It- Steve-o. Matthew Guy's second incarnation as premier, as sorry, premier as leader of the opposition undoubtedly has been a better start than his first run, hasn't it? Like it, He's cut through media-wise better. Has he? Than he did. I think he has. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I mean, he's coming off a pretty low base in Michael O'Brien who had no media cut through. But he has better, much cut through as Victorian racing yeah. authorities. I think Matthew Guy's had a promising start from a media sense. I'm not. That's why I'm offering a political view because yep. I refuse to do that one way or another on either party on this platform. But from a getting his share of media attention and being – Vocal on issues and being seen to be heard, he's been much more noticeable and it has had much more impact. I think. Okay. I think and I'm not the only one that I think that shares that view in, in in uh, in many respects. Have you caught up with um, Tim Smith? Had has to go, and but, but he's not. And, and let, let, let's see how well he is going, Matthew Guy. Then because yeah. he's clearly told him privately yeah, you, he has to. Yeah. At least then. I, I think if if you are so vicious and vocal on other people. And Tim Smith was probably the one politician that was cutting through from the Victorian Liberal Party. He's obviously got a lot of friends in the Federal Liberal Party as well, but they they like the fact that he's an attack dog and can cut through and he can play a role for the party. But if you are holding others to higher account than anybody, you just have to hold yourself to those same standards. And yep. he endangered lives. He oh. made a shocking mistake. It was it was appalling what he did, and. It doesn't and, matter if it's one mistake or whatever. He's got to go. And now he's had this uh, this moment of remorse where he uh, he realised that he was yeah calling for people to resign when uh, indeed his actions were worse than what they were. Has he caught up with what Scotty Pippen's been saying in in recent times? He's either releasing something of some form, and 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 part of it is a response to the the last dance Michael Jordan. Uh, documentary, which no. was on Netflix, but Netflix, um, yep. which basically I think defined our early stages and phases of COVID yeah. life. I think um, we'll always think back of COVID. Yeah. as, thank goodness for the last dance. Yeah, well, so so what he has said, and I haven't delved deeply into it, because I don't think all of it's been released, but there's been enough of a tease to what it is he's about to say, either in this book or this uh, this own product of himself. That um, that, that Jordan basically recreated a fair bit of history in the presentation of. That past, um, that the dynasty, you know, was was clearly obvious given they twice won three tra- uh, championships in a row. But he's clearly not happy with how he was betrayed personally by Michael Jordan in really? that. Um, I believe he's made an allegation or a suggestion that Jordan got paid quite handsomely to be 
part of that documentary, which I don't think is all that surprising, by the way. Did. But but to the detriment to the detriment of how it was presented and how he made himself to be the the big man and and again he, I think he does also add some weight to the theory at the time that was going around on the fringes that with the emergence and not just emergence but the the to the point where LeBron James is nearly claiming the mantle officially unofficially whatever it is is the best basketballer ever that that was also part of the, well, the mean, drive to do it at, at that particular point in time he got paid a fortune for it because he held out till he got the number that he wanted and he got final cut, so he has to own what's in it because he was able to approve it. I, I think yep. I heard him say that in the Luke Longley interview that went on the Australian story. So yep. he he wasn't just a, someone they interviewed and the documentary came out. He was actually com- complicit in how it was yeah. presented at the end. Oh, yeah, he's almost a producer. He signed he? off on yeah. it. Yeah. And But the, you saw Luke um, go public since, and it's, got, it's created a little sub-industry, hasn't it? Little it has. Spin-offs. It has. But, again, I wanted to raise it as much for the, the conversation that spins off out of it. Um Football football clubs, and they're the um, sports bodies that we're closest to, yep. they're really tight when they're in the moment. Yep. And there is no doubt about that. Like, there, there is no doubt about that. They, they, they're, they're, in the men's sense, they're brothers in arms. And as such, they convince themselves in that moment that they're, they're friends for life. I would argue, Hachi, there's very, very few friends for life that come out of even successful teams in terms of that, that mateship sense where you're still talking to each other once, twice a week, once, twice a day even, um, in, in the way other friendships do. I think some dynasties have been obviously built on, 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 a, on a bond and a friendship, but once it finishes and once there's no connection through football, I don't think sports people are as close as they like to make out. No, of course they're not, and they're, and particularly modern sports stars because they're hmm. professionals. They're not like thrown together and play with your friends like you did 30 hmm. or 40, 40 years ago, so the, the modern relationship's different. A few things happen here, though, don't they? One, everyone's account of history is wildly different yep. anyway. We go home tonight and speak to our respective partners, and we'll have a different version of our podcast today. If, well, if well, I, I don't to, talk about it, I If I was to say- no, <laughs> do, you, do you talk about it with Claire? Because no. I certainly- no. <laughs> but if we did, just let's run the exercise that we did. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything worse, Archie. Yeah. What would you talk about today? I'll, oh. so, I'll sometimes get home three days. I don't know how people listen to this Three shit. days from now and Claire will be, whoa, whoa. <laughs> There's something out here every day. Dave, I work in a little bit on the edge. I'll often get home and Claire, three days from now and Claire will be listening and, and listening when I walk in and, and keep listening even though I'm there. <laughs> and I'll say, oh, just, I'm here. And it's, oh, I didn't know that. You said the demo this. I didn't know that. Why didn't you tell me that? Janine has never once listened to it. She, she gets told when it, when she needs to be told told by her friends that there's but something my point, like, like you last year. My point poorly made, as it may have been. By the way, special cheerio to your neighbours and hope they're getting yeah, thanks. better with yeah. Janine. Um, no more letters, please. Uh, pass the parcel. Stories change. People's account, people's view of what happened in the room is wildly different. If we went home and told the story, which we won't, but if we did... <laughs> We'd have a different account of how it went down today. That's yeah. what. It, so put ten years on that. The other thing that I reckon's coming. It's getting a little interesting in these self accounts. Is the commercial pressures on them are getting a bit interesting. Yeah, we yep. saw that with the Australian series on cricket. Yeah, who gets paid what? Yeah, it sits at the middle of these stories. So we, we should explore this option. We're just about out of time for this episode today. Well, let's 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 talk. But every, every, every time we then plan to talk about something in the future, we don't do it. I don't, know, any problem with I don't that. know how much Jordan got, but say it was 100 million. I don't think it was that much. Or 50 million. Or Let, I think it was 10 or 20. But well, right, okay. Well, go you, with 10. Go with 10. usual number. Say he got 10, right? Yeah. Do you think Scott Pippen was entitled to be paid for that? 
Well, given, given, given outside of Jordan, he was the main man in the commercial product, yep. which was the documentary. Yeah, yeah. So he's probably entitled to be paid. I'd be surprised if he got anything other than a gestural fee for that, if, yep. it, or if anything at all. Yeah. So the 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 whale subject takes yep. all of or the lion's share of the money, and there's either nothing left to distribute or the whale says, ah, Scotty, I want to be part of it. He'll do it. And so you get this retrospective jealousy, I think, of the other subjects that weren't in the whack-up. Yep. Don't, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And – but it's crept into AFL too. This not necessarily the documentary telling, but but the storytelling of yeah. of individuals. And what's well, the commercial tension in these things is getting interesting because you know there's some people who's who it benefits them to be in it, right? So if you were the tenth ranked player of that time, and you're asked to do that for nothing, you'd probably say yes, right? Because yeah. it reminds people you're a great. Yeah. Basketball contributor, and if, if you were the tenth best player, you're probably just grateful to be part of. Grateful it. to be part of it, yeah. And you're positioning for future things. And to the point where Luke Longley was offended not to really have been yeah. part of it. He's probably in that. He's probably a yard ahead of the tenth best, but he was in that. Oh, no, absolutely, he's a yard ahead of the tenth best. He was um, probably the fifth best, wasn't he? I would think Pippen, Rodman, and Jackson were fundamental to it. So they probably had to be paid. I don't know if they were or weren't, but they wouldn't have been paid the right amount of the pie, would they? Because Hmm. But but they were in a position to withhold. But then if you withhold, you do a bit of brand damage. Because then, oh, what, who's Scotty Pippen thinking he is? He hasn't done the show. So that the commercial tension sits. And they're all commercial beasts, these people. I think the commercial tension is pretty clear at the top and at the bottom. It's in the middle. And there's probably someone who's 20th ranked. We might have paid them to be involved in the show, right? <laughs> but the tension's always in that kind of yeah. two through five or three and, through six. And, and the hierarchy is... Yeah. As now, as it was at the time, Jordan's the king, yeah. and everyone else is still yeah. trying to play a role beneath him and around him. And fundamentally, what happens in these things is the main person takes so much money yeah. that there's nothing left yeah. for the for the next rung down. Yeah. So the, I suspect it went something like this with Scott. Look, it's not a we've got a, a gestural fee for you, not nearly what you deserve, but you know Michael would appreciate it if you did it. <laughs> and I thought it was good for him. I, I thought he came across really well in it too, Scotty. I, th- I thought he did. Yeah, well, I don't think he had. Long ago since I watched it, I don't think he had much choice but to do it though. Yeah, like how, do you, how do you not do it? Didn't even get to something Hutchie, that we wanted to get to. I wanted to get to too. That being um, use of particular photos by rival media outlets. For, oh, did you uh, see that on the uh, succession? I did, but Hachi, we, we, we are really over time. We are really unusually, and it's usually do, 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 you who normally winds it down I about this time. I don't know if you've time. worked this out, Damo, but we don't actually have a time limit. No, but you normally just start getting a bit fidgety and edgy, and half the time you're at the door as we're about to finish it. What's, you mustn't have anything in your diary after this. I do, but that's all right. We can wrap it up. I just want to give a nod to the What You Will Learn podcast who noted that Connor Roy <laughs> complained that rival media organisations- Connor Roy being the, the, the character name yep. in the series, the I'm still to watch, Succession. The oldest yeah. brother. He pointed out that the rival media organisation yeah. always digs out the fud of him with a ponytail when they want to paint him an untru- untrustworthy in a story. <laughs> Welcome to my In the Bushes post-footy show world, Connor. Welcome aboard. That's yeah. how it works. You're either ju- about to jump on a bike, weren't you? When you were going through a phase where you were riding a bike or you are about to jump into an Uber, one of the two things, and you'd just done that footy show where Sam Newman hadn't spoken to you. But you'd, to you'd, put your, you'd put your overcoat on, and as you put your overcoat on, it was a freezing night. The collar of your shirt had something got caught underneath it. It looked like you were a hobo. It was, it was 12, 30, 1 o'clock It looked in the morning, like you were a hobo. I, and jumped, they, I jumped out of the bushes as I was getting into an Uber <laughs> and took a photo of me. And, and, 
They ran that photo, Hachi. You've clearly brokered some form of deal with them, though, because they haven't run it for 18 months or so now. Uh, uh, They've been very kind of not to. Have you raised it with them? I think my Verity score's fallen away, so it's... (laughs) That's all right. It hasn't been needed to. One way to get it back up, run that photo. <laughs> there we go. All right. That was episode 40 of Series 6 of the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.